Hello, and welcome to season two, episode three of Love Most, the podcast, Badea, brought to you by Live Mona Worldwide Multimedia Broadcasting Network, powered by E360 TV. When I thought of Love Most, the podcast, as a concept, I saw no separation amongst us. I wanted to connect with people and help connect those people with you. Love Most, the podcast, Badea, is an inclusive platform where I get to speak with people from all walks of life that are, that are doing incredible things to help impact their immediate communities or the world around them in some way. Via book, a product, a service, and even a podcast. When you love most, you include, not exclude. Love is not just a feeling. It is an action, a decision, and a choice. In a world where there is so much bullying, public shaming, and judging, I'm inviting you today to, above all things, love most. I have an incredible show for you today, so let's get started. How are you helping change the world around you? Welcome to Love Most, the podcast with Dea, where you are invited to share your gifts and to, above all things, love most. Brought to you by Dea Music Ministry. For more information on how to be a guest, please visit www.deamusicministry.net. That's www.deamusicministry.net. Hello. Hello, Daya. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so happy you're here today. So everyone, please welcome Reverend Jocelyn Jones. So before we get started, I wanted to have an opportunity for our guests to know who, a little bit about who you are. So I'm going to read your bio. I would have memorized it, but there's so many incredible things. It's impossible to memorize everything. So here it says that you're an author, speaker, and entrepreneur. You have received your bachelor's degree from the University of Iowa in journalism. After receiving your BA, you worked for Channel 20, WYCC. When you left the television industry to work at the Ark of St. Sabina, or where you served for 11 years, eight of which you were in the role of executive director. While working at the ARC, you earned your master's degree from the University of Chicago in social work and went to complete your master's degree in theological studies from McCormick Theological Seminary. Just amazing. Uh, so you are an ordained minister and the founder of Faith on the Journey, the author of the book, Breaking the Power of the Mask, and a training facilitator with the Trauma Healing Institute. That is an incredible bio, by the way. I am blown away. Amazing. You are amazing. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about is if you could tell us a little bit about your company, Faith on the Journey, and what about its mission? Sure. Uh, so Faith on the Journey is a company that believes that God's word has the power to heal, and we really just want the world to know about it. And so we specialize in Bible-based trauma-informed care and Christian grief counseling. And so we offer trauma healing groups for people, uh, which are pretty much Bible studies that help people to heal from trauma. Uh, 
And we also have a team of Christian counselors who um, have diverse backgrounds. They have experience working with all different types of trauma, uh, grief and loss, um, working as hospital chaplains in a number of other settings to really walk alongside of people in their most difficult times in life. And so we we offer those services and we also have, you know, different uh other tools that we offer through our website, whether it's blogs, podcasts, and just uh, toolkits, if you will, to help people to heal. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Sounds amazing. So my question to you is, at what point in your journey did you discover that you wanted to know more and help people in the area of healing and trauma or trauma and healing in that order? Uh, Was it something that was personal came from a personal background or if it was something that you just learned along your studies or both? Great question. So when I think back to what led me here, it it wasn't a linear line. I didn't expect to start my own company. As you read in my bio, I started off in television. I thought I was going to be the next Oprah. That didn't happen. (laughs) But uh, I, I started working at my church in ministry, actually. When I first became a member and realized I really wanted to be involved in the community and and do things to serve God's people. And eventually I was offered an opportunity to work at the youth center, which you read about. And that was a really transformative experience for me, uh, because while working in the community, I worked with a lot of youth, families, and it was a passion of mine. But one of the most difficult parts of that experience was the fact that many youth or several youth that is lost their lives to gun violence in the community that we serve. Mm-hmm. And so watching family, you know, after family, you know, go through such horrendous trauma and grief, it does something for you. It does something to you that is. And so experiencing that, and then also wrestling with my own trauma from, you know, personal loss and experiences I had in my twenties, really feeling stuck in that and really feeling like I was going around wearing a mask to the world as if I was okay. You know, there's some, there's a a thing that we talk a a lot about in the African-American community around wearing this, the strong black woman mask of strength, if you will. And, you know, sometimes you got to be honest that we're just not okay. And Mm -hmm. so I wore that mask very well for years. And I, I realized it wasn't, it wasn't, going to continue to work. It was only hurting me to pretend like I was okay without dealing with trauma and grief that I had experienced. Mm -hmm. And so with that context in mind, I also uh, felt God nudging at my heart to go into ministry. And so I didn't quite know what it looked like, but I was like, okay, I I love studying your word, God, let me go to seminary school. And so I decided to go back to school and uh, just, you know, study theological studies. And in that process, I took several classes on pastoral care. And I loved just studying how to minister to people in their most challenging seasons of their life. And so my seminary formation, along with my own personal experience, really helped me as I was trying to navigate what God was calling me to. And so eventually what I started to do to offer hope to the world was blogging. I started Uh, interviewing people about their stories and how God brought them through very difficult times in their life, uh, from abuse to um, homelessness to just a range of just traumatic losses that people experienced and how God restored them, healed them, and and brought them to this place uh, of just glorifying God through their testimony. And so I did that once a week and the response was overwhelming. People loved hearing these stories. And so that was a starting place, but I I realized I wanted to do more. 
uh, than just share testimonies. I wanted to also begin to walk alongside of people. And so I came across a curriculum called uh, the, from the Trauma Healing Institute. And it's called Healing Groups, Trauma Healing Groups that we offer. And when I came across that curriculum and I participated in a group, I'm like, this is amazing because it used God's word in a way that was trauma informed to help mm. people to heal from trauma. And okay. so I latched onto that and I said, okay, this is something I want to learn how to teach and walk people through. And so I started offering several groups and that I saw God move in incredible ways with that. Uh, but after doing the groups, people still wanted more. People still needed one-on-one support. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided I wanted to develop a Christian counseling practice that specialized in trauma. And I also wanted to make sure that it was a diverse team because I had Mm -hmm. a hard time finding counselors who looked like me. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, you know, we can't underestimate the importance of diversity in in our practices. And so I I sought out to have a diverse team of counselors who can serve uh, the community of people who know that the Bible is important to them on their Mm -hmm. healing journey. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the story behind where we got to where we are today. Okay, well, we we can talk a little bit more about it. I mean, you you did a great job explaining. I mean, there's a lot when it comes to healing. I can hear a lot of layers, you know, and when I heard you say about looking for different people to help you, I I hear inclusiveness, right? The more of a variety you have, the more people can relate. Everybody can relate to something different in a different way, depending on their background. So I really love that aspect about your company and your mission. I want to go talk a little bit about the book. And I I think the, the title is amazing, actually, Breaking the Power of the Mask. Discovering Healing, Freedom, and Joy in the Journey with God. You mentioned in the description of this book, and I'll quote, since childhood, each of us has been trained in the art of wearing a mask, often passed off as self-preservation technique to prevent people from seeing what's really going on inside. We've learned, to how, we've learned how to shield others from discovering our insecurities, our fears, and our past pain, quote, close, end quote. Uh, trained in the art of wearing a mask. I want you to tell me a little bit about what that means and what it is in that statement, because it give, and give us some examples on how are we trained or conditioned to hide our issues. Yeah, I mean, since childhood, I, as I mentioned in that book, there's certain things that we've been taught. Like if, you know, a little boy might hear from their dad, little boys, don't cry, be a man, you know, toughen up, right? Or uh, what happens in this house stays in this house. You don't let people know what's going on with you. And, you know, I understand part of that is coming from a, a place of protection and, and not, not putting your, your business all out in the street. But on the other side of it, if we don't talk about the need for us to have some safe spaces to be vulnerable, then what we do is we walk around always hiding our feelings, never being able to actually uh, address what's going on. So the mask that I described hates authenticity, despise transparency, fears vulnerability. It says that you always have to walk around like pretty much in this space of pretending um, that everything is okay. And so like mask of strength, mask of perfectionism is a mask um, that says this is how I want the world to perceive me, never Mm -hmm. allowing the world to really see me. And in doing that, if you never walk, if you're never able to live an authentic life, you really lose sight of who you are. And you can sometimes even begin to believe that your mask is your personality. The mask is who you are and you, you, you don't know yourself anymore. And so hiding and suppressing our emotions and hiding the hurt and burying the pain underneath, which is really what I talk a lot about in the book, 
it does something to us. It, it prevents healing from taking place and it, it prevents us from being able to really move forward on our healing journey. Wow, that's pretty incredible. You know, when I heard you, you, you explained that and you explained it beautifully, uh, it makes so much sense, even from the simplest of things that we're told when we're young, right? It just made me think walking in truth, right? Walk in your truth, because sometimes we are, I, I agree with you. I said, we are, I, I did that. To, I do that to my own children sometimes, and maybe subconsciously, because that's something that I learned from my childhood, things that we pick up generationally, right? We pick up these habits and the things we say to each other from hearing from our parents and they heard from their parents. But I think all it's so much, there's so much to be said about walking in, in your truth and walking with dignity, walking pri proud, you know, because even though we may be vulnerable and imperfect, it's something that has to be embraced and it has to be embraced early on so that we can actually be comfortable in our own skin because truth is nobody's perfect and we need to be comfortable with that. You know, so I really love that, that, that whole, the, the title to me is incredible. Breaking the power of the mask It's a very powerful uh, title. And it's kind of ironic that we're living in an era that we're wearing masks because of the, the because of what's going on in the world. And, you know, one of the things that I'm that I'm noticing, with the, especially with the younger generation, you know, they're growing up without seeing people's expression. So it almost hides who they actually are. Right. Because they may be looking at you and feeling happy, but you can't see or they may be angry and making a face like and you can't see. So we're kind of learning how to live expressionless. You know what yeah. I mean? Which kind of, you know, it's not like the truth exactly, right? Um, at least not in the way that we perceive it. So our perception is being affected, directly impacted by it. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you also is uh, what are some of the common characteristics that people with trauma and in need of healing display? Oh, it comes out in so many ways. Uh, so trauma, one thing it can do if you if you don't address the trauma, it can affect your body. Um, I remember even writing about this in my book. How there's certain um, there was one woman who experienced incest by her father uh, that I, I mentioned in my book, and she went on to be so successful. Uh, she uh, became Miss America. She uh, professionally was a model. Just looked like she was having the best life, but she was having symptoms in her body that the doctors just could not figure out what was going on with her. Mm. And it was a result of unresolved trauma that she had suppressed for years. So trauma can absolutely show up in different ways in our body. Uh, we can uh, have a reaction of being hyper alert all the time uh, to certain things. It's like an expectation that something is going to happen, which can result in a, a self-sabotaging. So you might think this is going to happen. So in order to protect myself, I can avoid interacting a certain way, which self-sabotage is a whole situation. Uh, avoidance, again, uh, I just mentioned that, but avoidance in a number of ways through substance abuse, alcohol, sex, shopping addiction. So uh, trauma mm -hmm. can, a behavior of trauma can be just coping and coping with the trauma the best way you can to try to avoid thinking about it is by doing other things. So we can do that. We can find ways to numb ourselves. And so trauma, again, it, it depending on the person, if it's, if it's not expressed, it can come out in, in a variety of ways. I've actually, uh, I use an illustration in one of our healing groups where if you, if you think about like you trying to hold down um, a bottle of water, you know how a bottle of water kind of floats to the top mm -hmm. and like you try to push down at one bottle of water and that's one tra traumatic experience or one bad thing that happened to you. But if you had 
imagine five different bottles of water that you're trying to hold down and, and push. Eventually, it's going to become too hard for you to hold down those water bottles and they're going to pop up to the surface in a violent, you know, aggressive way. And sometimes that happens in our walk where we try to suppress as much as we can, but eventually it's going to show, it's going to surface in mm. ways in which we can't control. It can come out in, in anger. It can come out where you're just like, I'm an emotional wreck. What's going on with me? Well, yeah. there's stuff underneath that you've been suppressing that is saying, I need to be seen. I need to be heard. And so trauma mm. affects people in different ways. Different ways. Actually, you know, it's funny because I think that in a weird way, right? You almost hope that everybody would get to the point where they actually bottle up enough and then things will surface. But then there are those people who have trauma and they carry in such a way that is subtle. It's subtle enough that what happens is it keeps happening. They fall, they hold on to something, right? They they have their their expression of trauma, if you will. And then it continues to, to happen over and over and over. And as they get to, as these problems start, trauma starts to surface, they get hurt in other areas. You start creating new problems, right? So now you have the point of origin, then you have all these other things that are happening because you're trying to suppress it. And it's so subtle. In other words, a lot of people have suppressed memories. They don't remember exactly what happened, but there is an expression of the trauma in some way ever so subtly that, you know, you keep it you know, getting these new habits, things that are not good for you. And eventually it becomes, you become a whole new person, you know, yeah, and a different yeah. person really without even, you know, subconsciously not even knowing what's going on. I think it's so complex, you know, healing trauma and healing in itself. They have many layers. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate you clarifying that for us. Um, I know that you've mentioned some of the things about your, the services that your organization offer, but I wanted to go back in case, you know, People would like to hear it again. My question is, when someone approaches your organization, Faith on the Journey, uh, can you share some of the steps that, that they have to do to get from where they first contact you to the point where they get to benefit from the services that you offer? And if you could list some of those services again, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So uh, you can reach out to us on our website at faithonthejourney.org. Uh, we have a contact us option, and we also have something a link available on our counseling page where you can reach out to us to schedule just a one-on-one -on -one where we can learn more about you and your story, uh, an area of if your life that you want to explore that needs healing. And then we look at how we can support you, right? We want to make sure that no matter where you are in your walk, you walk away better than where you, you started when you had an interaction with us. And so we'll explore is counseling the best route for you. Maybe you're looking for community. So a trauma healing group might be a good place to start. Uh, we also might be able to plug you into some resources close to your area as well. And so we, we just want to spend some time with you to hear your story, listen to you, pray with you, because that's essential to what we do is prayer. And then um, from there, uh, we'll make sure that you walk out the door with something in terms of support from us to, to give you some tools you need to move forward. I love the idea of the one-on-one -on -one too, because like you said, everybody experienced trauma in a different way. So in that way, you can assess the person, their situation, and then pair them up with the right service, which is incredible. What a great mission. So in your opinion, we, we, we all, I, I would love to believe that everybody would think this is a necessity. Healing is a necessity, right? But I wanted to know, why do you think healing is a necessity? You know, we can go through our entire life and ignore all the pain and the trauma that we've experienced, but we're going to go through life allowing that trauma to control us, 
to allow the pain to explore us, to keep us held back in fear, in anger. It clouds our vision. It's like you can almost look at it as tinted lenses and you'll go through your whole life seeing the world through the pain versus seeing the world through the lens at which God designed us to see it, which is a place of wholeness, a place of love, a place of joy. Granted, we're going to go through life and we're going to have challenges, but we don't want to walk through life in shackles held back by the pain of our past. And, you know, I, I'm speaking from a, a place of faith here, but that's exactly what the enemy, I'll tell people, wants to do. He wants you to be captive and, and, and locked up in bondage in, throughout your entire life. And so for us, it's important. It's, 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 it's a priority. We have to make our healing a priority because when we don't, we won't be able to fully walk in the purpose that God has for your life. And so that's what I would say to someone. You can't keep putting your healing off. I don't care if it's your professional endeavors. I don't care if, you know, whoever's pulling at you in terms of your time. If you keep putting yourself last, if you keep putting your healing on the back burner, then it's going to hold you back. And God wants you to experience healing. Right. Amazing. You know, and, and for even beyond that, you know, how we carry our trauma and, you know, healing is absolutely our responsibility because also it'll, it'll pour into others around us. You know, it'll become somebody else's issue because, you know, um, I always say, you know, we can't, we're not our pain, you know, even though it feels like it in the moment. Right. But when we make that decision to heal, you know, and it, it really is simply, a desire. It starts with a desire to want to be better. A lot of us don't really even know what that looks like, but this is why your mission is so important because then you can use that, you know, your mission to find a way. You will find a way. You pair them up with the bright. And sometimes we can't really see it. I, I think most of the time we actually can't. Some of us want to heal, but we don't know how. And that's my next question to you. I wanted to ask you, what could you say to someone who's listening, who's dealing with trauma and in need of healing? What would be the one thing you wanted them to know? I would tell them that they don't have to go about this alone. When you've experienced trauma and you've gone through certain things that bring about a feeling of shame, which often happens with trauma, then it can be a very lonely place. And you can feel like I can't talk to anyone about how I feel. No one understands, but God understands. And there's a community of people that can be here to walk with you. So you don't have to carry this burden alone. So I would say your faith is important in this process. That's essential. And in addition to this, you have to have an outlet, a safe space to share what's going on in your heart. You know, I talked earlier about removing the mask, but I also understand why people wear a mask, because in some spaces it has not been safe for them to be to be honest and open about what's going on. Right. And yes. so we do have to use discernment and we have to be prayerful about where can I remove this mask? Where can I be honest about what's going on and share my story in a place where someone understands the sacredness of my testimony? and will honor the sacredness of it. And so finding spaces to share and express, whether it's through writing, whether it's through a group of individuals who've gone through a similar experience as you, uh, whether it's in a faith community, a counselor, wherever you find that safe space to express and to have people to walk alongside of you as you move forward and explore and renew your mind and to begin to see how God is moving in the situation, even if it was something that was extremely evil and terrible, you know, God is still able to redeem mm -hmm. you from that situation. And so I just want to give people hope to know that healing is possible for your life.
You don't have to continue to stay in a space of bondage and that there's people who are eager to walk alongside of you to support you on your healing journey. Hmm. And I wanted to take the opportunity to to say that, you know, when we speak about you're not alone, uh, you know, we want to emphasize that even though uh, Faith on the Journey, which is Reverend Jocelyn Jones company, uh, her mission, of course, is a faith based company based company. Um, we need to emphasize how important it is for you to know that when we say you're not alone, you're really not alone. Even if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, you know, there are ways to find help. There are ways to reach out to organizations that may not be Christian based. But again, you know, try not to go on this journey alone. There's a lot of help outside of even being a Christian. Of course, we would love for everyone to have an encounter with God, you know, be humbled by his divine grace and power. And believe me, whether you're a Christian or not, everybody's given God's grace. We all are given grace. But we also wanted to make sure that we let you know that, you know, the love that is universal as an universal language and we call God is love is for everybody that you are included. So hopefully you will reach out to a group. And then Jocelyn was going to ask you the importance of a good support system, which I think you've already touched a little bit on it, but can you tell us a little bit about a support system? What does that look like? Um, let's say, let's try to do this from a Christian perspective and maybe from a non-Christian perspective, just to give our viewers a sort of a broader uh, you know, sure. understanding of what support system, what does that mean? Yeah. So a support system is individuals who give you a space to be, to not be on. Uh, for example, um, in my role uh, as a minister, a lot of times I, I have to enter into space and be on, ready to support others. I can't really let people know how jacked up things are, all, you know, around me all the time. Uh, but sometimes you need a space, whether you're a mother, whether you're, you know, CEO of a company where people just are not looking at you in this leadership role. You can say, no, I'm just being me. I'm authentic mm -hmm. and you feel safe. And so finding that group of individuals that you can do that around uh, also provides a, a space for you to feel comfortable in sharing whatever's on your heart. Uh, so having a space that you can be authentic, Daya, is really what I'm trying to describe. And it, it, it's usually an intimate group. You know, if you have more than five people in your circle, you're doing really good. You know, so if you just have a, a small group of people who you can can be honest with, who can work with you. Um, in addition to that, I do believe everyone, whether Christian or non-Christian, needs a counselor. Mm. Someone who you can just sit down and, and just talk to and, and not just talk, but who can look at your situation from an objective standpoint. We don't realize the narratives that we have in our mind. Uh, that has built up over the years since childhood. Again, going back to what I use that analogy around the lens in which we see certain things. Mm -hmm. It can be clouded by the pain about certain experiences about from bad theology or bad teaching. And so we do need someone sometimes to say, so tell me, why do you, you know, believe that about yourself? Or tell me, you know, how, what happened there to really help us to look at things deeper and to try to navigate where that seed might have came from. So I think having a small group of people where you can be authentic, a counselor in your circle is important. And maybe if you've experienced trauma, having a, a support group of individuals who've gone through something similar. Uh, at my church, there's a group called Purpose Over Pain. And is, is a group of parents who lost their children to gun violence who come together and they support each other because it's, a, it's, it's something that unless you, you're in this 
this club that no one wants to be in is 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 just you can't understand and what it's like to lose a child to, to gun violence. And so they're there to support each other and walk with each other. And in addition to that, they 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 use their pain to fuel their purpose to help fight against gun violence so that other parents don't have to experience the same thing. And mm-hmm. so in that, that keeps I, I've heard stories about how that keeps the parents just moving waking up to see another day because it gives them something to push through when they're experiencing such pain. And so that support group of uh, people who understand what you're going through is important, whether you're a widow, uh, you find a widow support group, whether you're a survivor of sexual trauma, those things Mm -hmm. can really help you. So what you're saying is that in the realm of relatedness, you know, you can grow, right? In spite of tragedy, in spite of whatever problem you might've had, because I, I agree with you. I think that it is so important to identify a group of people. Now, there is a support system in a sense that you have a mentor, a counselor, somebody who can be subjective, look from the outside in and say, okay, these are the things I, I think you need. This is how, you know, you get a little guidance. Maybe it's some things that you got to do throughout the week. Maybe they recommend a book or a movie or something that allows you to sort of get out of your own issue and look outward into something, into a new concept, a new mindset. But then there is support systems such as in a group that understands, and I know when I experienced four miscarriages, I couldn't tell anyone what it felt like to lose a baby until I met someone who had lost a baby. And then it was like, okay, you understand how I'm feeling. Because at Mm -hmm. first I thought I was alone. I felt like I had eight heads when I talked about it, that nobody would understand me. Nobody could understand that pain, that, that fear, that, that feeling, you know, and, and when you start to, to understand the people who have gone through the same things you do in the realm of relatedness, there is such room for growth. And I think that when we get to that place, it just almost feels like, okay, I can relax now. Somebody else understands me. And there is healing, you know, there's healing in that moment. So it's very powerful. I think that um, one of the things about uh, the importance of a good support system too, is that you, when you go for help, right? And people help you. Um, You can help them as well. In some way, as we express our fears, our vulnerability, other people are learning from that. So you're kind of helping each other in that place of relatedness where people have gone through the same things, right? In spite of tragedy or whatever situation, childhood trauma and whatnot. I think we kind of help each other. It's almost like a, there is a rhythm to the exchange of sharing, and people sort of get little glimpses of your life and their lives and so on and so forth. But one of the things that I learned um, as, as I try to become more and more comfortable asking for help is when I help another person, it was much easier for me than to reach out for help. Because you kind of feel like if you're given the opportunity to do something for someone else, when you need help, you don't feel as bad. And it's something that we, especially mothers, we go through, oh, I don't want I'm superwoman. I don't want to ask anybody for help. I want to do everything by myself. But the truth is that we all do need help. You know, it's so important to keep that in mind that needing someone, needing help, needing assistance or guidance or mentorship is a part of what I believe God put us on earth for that reason, you know, to learn. It's one of the biggest things of why I think we're not made to be perfect. I mean, yes, we're made perfectly in his image, but I absolutely think that when we're placed on earth, he said, okay, I'm going to put these imperfect people on earth. They're going to have to struggle to figure out what it is that they're that they're going to do. Some will come to me, some won't, but there's going to be lessons. There are going to be a lot of lessons to be learned. And in that, I think, is saying emotionally, emotional humility, spiritual humility, so that we can grow. 
You know, I keep saying uh, when you said something about trauma and us picking up new habits in order to cover up for the trauma, the word that came to my mind was falling because when we fall, we grab onto things and then we end up hurting a leg or an arm that was not even hurt to begin with. So I think healing from trauma will require that vulnerability, you know, kind of being comfortable that we have fallen, that we need help and asking for that help. Yes, 100%, Daya. So tell me a little more. I want to know one more thing about your book, um, Breaking the Power of the Mask. You talk about, now I want to go to the subtitle, which is Discovering Healing, Freedom, and Joy in the Journey with God. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, I really describe the mask as I do earlier and how it affects all of us. We've all been conditioned to wear one. No one can escape that. But it's acknowledging that we have been conditioned. So when we start putting on the mask, we can say, oh, okay, I don't have to wear this all the time. This is not going to control me, which is what I'm really trying to free people from. And so I talk about three what I describe as pain pits, areas in life that we've experienced as pain and we it finds us we find ourselves getting stuck as a result of it. So I talk mm. about shame. I talk about unforgiveness and I talk about grief and loss, which yeah. in the state of this pandemic in this world right now, we've all experienced a level of That's grief nice. and loss. Absolutely. Right. And so I talk about how we can get stuck in this pain pit as a result of uh, those experiences and how it affects the body. And it is something where we can not continue to run from it. So we have to find the courage to remove the mask in safe spaces. And I say courage because it really does take that. It's something where it does not come natural. We protect ourselves from feeling more shame or possibly being hurt by someone won't, who won't honor our story in our heart. Mm. But when we find the safe spaces, which I describe how to do that in my book, then eventually we can begin to really heal from those areas in our heart that have been neglected, that have been buried for so many years. And then I just begin to walk people through different steps that they can take to heal. Wow. You know, the thing about the title, and I keep going back to the title because I love that you say breaking the power of the mask, but then the next word is discover, discovering, then healing, then freedom and joy. So healing, freedom, and joy. But you know, the contrast of the of the of the title is that by living authentically, right? By breaking that pattern, by breaking that, taking off that mask, which is something that most of us will probably consider really hard. But once you get through that, what's on the other side is healing, joy, and discovery, self-discovery. And it's really an interesting thing because, you know, a lot of times, like you said, you know, we are imprisoned by what we think, how we perceive, whatever we thought that how we're defined by our pain is how we perceive ourselves most of the time when there is trauma involved. And we can't see beyond the pain to really realize we actually are. So by dealing with it, by breaking the power of the mask, by becoming more authentic, by trying to seek for healing and, and, and really digging into things. And, and I think with the help of others, you know, because a lot of times we can't really see what it is that's holding us back, why it's so important to, to, to have a team like your team to help us, um, you find healing, freedom, and joy. So it's really like you, it, it looks scary to do it, but in the end, you're going to find this beautiful place. You know, it's a gift in itself. So it almost makes me think that, you know, pain propels into healing, into beauty, into joy, and freedom. It really can. It, you know, it, we do have a choice to hear because, mm -hmm. you know, some, some people, unfortunately, the pain is just so overwhelming 
They don't have the, the support. They don't see hope in the midst of it. But the pain does not have to be the end of your story. It can absolutely propel you into something that is great. And mm-hmm. you can be, as what I described in the last chapter of my book, a wounded healer. You know, right. someone who's experienced such pain and such tragedy, you can experience healing and go out and help other people to experience yes. healing too. Right. Because no one can relate to someone else's story as good as as you can because right. you've been through it, right? And when people Absolutely. see you've gone through it, that gives them hope. Yeah, I always say, and I say this in my own, you know, in my own talk, I say, you know, it's not the power, it's not the story of the triumph, it's the story of the journey. So, you know, and most of us, and if not all of us have healing to do, some people have different levels of trauma, but the truth of the matter is all of us are in need of healing in some way or another. And, you know, I think that, I mean, I think it's so important to realize that the power of healing even though it comes from pain, you know, the pain propels some of us even are propelled into our own calling, right? Like you said, your healing could open doors to help other people. You yourself have used some of your pain and the way that you had to deal with your own healing to actually to broaden your perspective, to actually want to help other people. And I do believe that because of what you went through, you probably have a deeper, broader perspective, even to say, okay, I can see from outside what is it that needs to be done it just gives you a clarity it's almost like again another gift from healing right you gain clarity you gain wisdom you gain perspective you have a new mindset and then you're you're able to you're better able to help another so it's amazing you know i love your mission and your company i'm so thankful you're here um i i think that the beauty about your company and i see that knowing you as a person that your spiritual and emotional humility is so inviting you know, is so inviting. I said, if I had not known you and have heard you speak somewhere, I would say, you know, I would wish that everyone who's listening to you today, you know, go on the website, do a little research. If you're in need of healing, a little bit of guidance, like I said, you know, it, it is a faith-based uh, based company. So there is no, uh, you don't have to be one way or the other, come as you are. You know, faith on the journey is there for you to help guide you. Even if you actually don't end up using their services, you know, there is always that conversation about where else can you go? What else can we do? What are you able to do? What are you able to afford? Or what are, what are the things that you can find in this search for your own healing, which it is your responsibility, right? It's a huge responsibility. So I want to say thank you, but I want to ask you, where can they find you? I mean, I have the website here with this um faithonthejourney.org. And then uh, do you want to share your social media? Maybe they can find you on social media as well. Yeah, absolutely. So faithonthejourney.org is the main spot. Uh, But if you want to follow me on social media, it's at Faith on the Journey on Facebook. On Instagram is at Faith on the Journey Counseling. And you can find our other links through our social media through those platforms as well. So we're out there in podcast form and every social media platform out there. Yes. And your podcast, Faith on the Journey, is that on your YouTube channel? Is that where they would watch the podcast? Yeah, they can check it out on YouTube. And we also have a Faith on the Journey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Perfect. So everyone, you really need to go check out the conversations, the incredible conversations with Reverend Jocelyn Jones. Uh, She's the founder of Faith on the Journey. We have had a wonderful conversation today. We're hoping that you will join us next time for our next episode. Uh, It'll be episode four of season two. You can find me on Instagram at Thea Ministry. Uh, There is a link tree and you can see all of my uh, links for all of my social media, music, course, everything is there for you. 
Um, we hope that you will join us again. This is Love Most, the podcast with Daya, brought to you by Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcasting Network. And we are powered by E360 TV. It's been a pleasure, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for blessing us today with your presence and your grace. And uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Daya. Thanks for having me. Okay, everyone. We'll see you soon.